and at verse 17. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. And then to further explain that, he says to the Father, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. You remember in Gethsemane when the Lord Jesus prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but if not, thy will be done. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Colliher for Let the Bible Speak Canada. And today the message is on Jesus dying as our priest. Did you know that there are no priests in the New Testament? Well, there are reference to Jewish priests in their unbelief and in their uh, temple worship, but there is no reference to New Testament Christians worshiping via a priest. In Ephesians 4, there is a list of office bearers in the church, some apostles, some pastors, some teachers, some evangelists, but absent from the list is priest. Now, the reason for that is that the ultimate fulfiller of the priesthood was the Lord Jesus himself, because he on his death on the cross, died as our priest. He finished the work. He was the final sacrifice, and therefore there is no more priesthood. So in a Bible-believing gospel church today, you have elders, you have deacons, you have pastors, but not priests, nor do we have sacrifices the communion table is a commemorative means of remembering Jesus' death. It is not a replication or any repetition of the cross and the death of our Lord Jesus. That is solid New Testament Protestant gospel doctrine, and we must stand upon it with all our hearts. I trust that you are a Bible believer. I trust that you are a Bible reader, and I recommend that you read the Scriptures each and every day. Do it with pen in hand, and make a few notes, even on your Bible or in a separate notebook, that you read with profit and take the Word of God to heart. So, Stay tuned with us as we go to this message in John ten eleven, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And there he laid down his life. And that's the reason he is the good shepherd. He did so 
for us on our behalf. Now, before we go to that, we're going to have the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. Father, we we pray for grace as we turn now to your word. We rejoice in the written word of God. We rejoice in this revelation of the good news of our Lord Jesus and all concerning him. We know that this book is all about him, all about his person and his work, his mercy, his power to save, and his triumph over all things to build his church and to promote his kingdom. Dear Lord, we pray that we might be moved by the Spirit of God to just learn a little more of what our Redeemer has done for us and minister to us that we might be uh, better believers, better warriors in prayer, better witnesses before an unbelieving world, that we might truly honor thee and glorify thee in our daily walk. Make this a profitable time, not just a a time that is academic, not a time just of learning things, but all that we might be moved to love thee and serve thee better. In our Savior's name, amen, amen. Today we're coming to really part two of the text that we had last week, which was John 10 Verse 11, where the Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now we explain that he's the good shepherd. He's the better shepherd. And he is the very best shepherd. And if we understand uh, the gospel and understand the Bible, we know today that he is the only shepherd. Now, that always seems to be a very narrow and to the untaught, a very uh, bigoted uh, perception of the Lord Jesus. But we need to realize that coming to look at the Lord Jesus and his grace to our souls, it's not like going to a car lot to choose a car. And whether you buy a, a Honda or a Toyota or any other make, Well, 
If that car does what it's made to do, it'll get you from A to B. It'll do its job. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter which car you purchase, as long as it's working well. Or it's not just like little farm boys that will argue with one another about which tractor is better. Some say the green John Deere is a whole lot better than the red Massey Ferguson. And little boys can squabble about such things. Well, uh, we are not here to squabble about minor details. But we are here today to go in the narrow path where the Lord Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. There is none other. And the Lord Jesus said that himself. So when a Christian says that there is only one true Savior, that's not a racial statement. That's not a bigoted statement. It's not anti-Semitism. It's not an attack on anyone else. It is simply speaking the truth. God had one Son, and God sent Him into the world to be the Savior of men. And when talking to people of other religions, I find one particular text to be of great help, and that's 1 Timothy 2.5, a verse that every Christian should know as you seek to witness. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And really, that's what we're going to look at here today. Now, why is he the good the best, the better, the only shepherd. Well, let's come to the text and look at the reason that is given right here. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And in that word for is the gospel. In that word for is the doctrine of substitution, where the Lord Jesus laid down his life on the cross, his cross work, his suffering, his bleeding, his dying, was in the place of, in the stead of, his sheep, his people, all those whom the Father gave him in the covenant of grace. And you can't preach the gospel without substitution. And I would say to anyone that is in a church, where the doctrine of substitution is either neglected or despised, don't even attend, because the gospel is not being preached. Now, at the heart of substitution is the truth that the Lord Jesus died as a priest, that he died in our place as our priest. And as we come to this part of the text, we see that this is absolutely vital. Now, the word substitution is not a Bible word. It's not in the Bible. It's a bit like the word trinity. It's not in the Bible. But these are essential terms by which we understand and comprehend the very nature of the gospel. We all know what a substitute is. A substitute teacher. Sickness comes, that teacher must report, I can't be in today. There will be a substitute appointed to take the class for the day. In sports, likewise, there's a lineup of substitutes ready to jump in and take the place of the one who has been 
injured immediately to take their place. Well, the Lord Jesus is the one who took our place. And he took our place as a priest. Now, God has always demanded worship by blood atonement. Think of Abel's sacrifice and how Cain was rejected because he did not come with an offering of blood. Think of Noah. The day he came out of the ark, he offered up a sacrifice to God. And Abraham as well was the altar builder. Then you have the whole ministry of Israel and the tribe of Levi. They were a tribe consecrated to priestly ministry. It was their task to bring the animals, slay them, take their blood, and present that blood to God, all on behalf of the people. And so for hundreds of years, from Moses right through to the death of Christ, the nation of Israel was being educated over and over, generation after generation, on this whole principle of priestly ministry, a sacrifice, the offering of blood, and the worship of God by that very means. Now that means to preach the gospel, it is not enough to say that the Lord Jesus is our example. It's not enough to say that we're to follow in his footsteps. And if we try to do what he did, then we will in the end be saved. What failures we are. We couldn't do that for one day. We could not keep the holy law of God in all its parts, even for an hour. So to have a Savior who's an example, well, we would be left to save ourselves. Nor is, was the Lord Jesus simply showing Christians how to be selfless, to think of others. Now, that's a great social concept. We should be mindful of others. We should do unto others as we would have them do unto us. But that's not how you can be saved. That's not how you get to heaven. That's not how you can get your sins put away by being selfless. Nor was the Lord Jesus on the cross merely showing the extent of his love. Now, preachers often rightly preach. If you want to know the extent of the love of Christ, look at Calvary. See the distance, the extent of suffering shame that our Lord Jesus went to, that he might show to the world the love of God. And John 3.16 is right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Yes, to Calvary. It is a tremendous expression of his love. But we are not saved merely by a display of love. Nor was the Lord Jesus on that cross seeking to express the extent of bravery. Now, I cannot fathom, nor can I comprehend the extent to which our Lord Jesus suffered. We could try to paint a physical picture of the nails in his hands the crown of thorns, and they were calvary thorns, the length of your finger that crushed down into his skull, the pain of that, the blood that flowed over his body, 
the back that had been whipped, the figure that had been marred more than any man, the physical sufferings of our Lord Jesus are really indescribable. And then beyond that, the suffering spiritually, where God turned his back upon his son. So Calvary is a tremendous expression and display of bravery. But you and I are not saved and redeemed through the bravery of another. Indeed, we must conclude then that every attempt to understand the cross work of the Lord Jesus, apart from his dying as a priest in our place, falls short and would miss the mark in comprehending what our Lord Jesus did for us in his death. Even to say that our Lord Jesus died for us voluntarily is insufficient. Yes, our Lord went silently as a lamb to the slaughter. He did not resist those who arrested him. He did not seek to circumvent the cross. Rather, he set his face as a flint to die on that cross. So it was indeed voluntarily. It had to be. But it was much more than the willingness of the Lord Jesus to lay down his life. And it's not until we get to the fact that the Lord Jesus died as a priest, are we getting to the very heart of his death for us. It was as a priest in priestly work that he made himself to be an offering for sin. Now, the big proof of this, and I know you're waiting for this. I can just see it in your eyes. What you're saying is huge. It's absolutely I'm, I'm staggering. But where's the proof of this from the Word of God? Well, let's look here in John chapter 10 and at verse 17. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. And then to further explain that, he says to the Father, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. You remember in Gethsemane when the Lord Jesus prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but if not, thy will be done. And we're told in Hebrews that he prayed with strong cries and tears, whereby he was helped in death at the cross. The Lord Jesus did not die as a result of the nail wounds in his hands. He didn't die as a result of the crown of thorns. He didn't even die as a result of suffocation by which most victims of crucifixion die. That's usually the end result. They're strangled. They cannot hold themselves up any longer to breathe. They strangle to death. But our Lord Jesus did not die a victim to the cruelty of men. He said here, I lay it down of myself. I have power 
to lay down my life. Do you remember how Pilate was totally surprised that the Lord Jesus was dead so soon? Do you remember that when the soldiers were told to break the legs of the victims on the crosses, that they broke the legs of the two thieves? And again, this is so that they could not hold themselves up, but would hang powerless and soon strangled to death. It was a measure to hasten their death. But when they came to the middle cross and they looked at the Lord Jesus and they took that spear and thrust it in under his heart, out came blood and water. He was already dead. So soon, so soon, not as a result of injury or man's infliction of pain and suffering, but of his own willful active offering to the Father of himself as a priest unto God. And therein our Lord Jesus actively died. Usually in in Christian doctrine, we talk about Christ's active work and his passive work. His active work is the work of his life. His passive work is often spoken of in his death. But even in the death of the Lord Jesus, he was active. He was at work. As someone put it, he was doing in his dying. He was offering up himself a sacrifice for sin. Now, with all of that in mind, let us just step by step try and grasp what this involves. Number one, as a priest, the Lord Jesus represented the people. He did not do this for himself, but for his sheep. That's what our text tells us here in verse 11. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He represented them. And so on the cross, the Lord Jesus was a representative man, and he stood in our place. You probably have heard some preachers say, when Christ died, I died. Well, in the mind of God, that is exactly true because the Lord Jesus stood in our place and represented every one of his own sheep. A prophet, when he is sent of God, he's a messenger from God to the people. But a priest is the opposite. A priest goes from the people to God and represents them. And so in his death as a priest, in offering up himself, he did so as a representative of his people, for his people, on behalf of his people, as a substitute of his people. And therein is the very genius the wonder of the gospel, that on that cross, Christ did everything necessary in an active, powerful manner by an exertion of his own power. He had power to lay it down, power to take it again, and he did so unto the Father.
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, and this is Ian Gallagher, the ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of Canada, and our burden is to take this gospel around the nation wherever we could not otherwise go, but we can do so by radio. There, is, there are scattered around this country little churches and congregations here and there uh, standing still faithful and true. The struggle to continue is great. Small populations, moving uh, generations, and of course, the country church is difficult to sustain. I trust that this radio broadcast will be a great help to God's people everywhere and that it will build you up in the faith. If you have never let us know that you're listening, we would be delighted to hear from you. You can go to ltbs.ca. There you'll get all the information about our church and our radio ministry, and I trust that you will be encouraged. Of course, you can call me at 604-897-2040. I'll take your call personally, and if I can be of any spiritual, pastoral help, I certainly will, or just to give me your testimony. Tell me how the Lord saved your soul. Tell me how you came to the faith of the gospel and of your desire to continue on in it. This is uh, just the, the joy of ministry, fellowship through sharing the great things of our faith. Now, in the little booklet, A New Beginning, that I have been advertising, and I'm holding a copy of it in my hand now, uh, there is a section on problems that Christians face. And one of those problems, of course, is sin. Sin. Some people struggle um, to defeat and to despair. While Christians have a perfect righteousness in Christ, they are not yet perfect in their own natures. Now, that is really fundamental, and it lays a very solid uh, perspective for every new Christian, you need to know that while you are forgiven your sin, you still have a sin nature within, and the struggle against that sin nature can be horrific. Christians still sin, and this often causes them to doubt the reality of the work of grace within them. Often they despair of living in the victory of true holiness. But the Christ who justifies also sanctifies. Though they are not yet perfect, true Christians are always marked by their attitude to sin. They are new creatures who no longer judge things in a merely worldly way. And it lays out a number of passages that will help you. So send for the new booklet, A New Beginning, and send for a single copy free of charge or 10 copies for $25. Thank you for listening to Let the Bible Speak today. The Lord bless you through his word and encourage your heart. Until tomorrow, we let the Bible speak. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.